You're listening to WCOMLP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and, and we've got we've got a lot. We've got a lot today. I feel like this is one of those like turducken type shows where it's you take a chicken and it's a stuffed chicken but it's inside a uh, duck and that duck is stuffed with a chicken and it's inside a turkey and that turkey stuffed with a duck and chicken yeah so it's a turducken kind of show that's really where we're going after here but one of the things i have i've told myself i will improve with <laughs> as we begin our show i if if those of you that are regular listeners here on snarky faith have not realized i'm not very good at house cleaning house cleaning house cleaning let me get that off of my tongue <laughs> so i can say it. i'm not very good at house cleaning in regards to the show in regards to the show because hey i i do i do my fair share around my house with many many children and i am the i am the man that that cleans the bathrooms and scrubs the toilets so not that kind of house cleaning no basic kind of house cleaning on our show the stuff that i always just hop in and start talking about <laughs> our topic of the week that i never mentioned um but as we've been starting to gain more followers here of the show i just wanted to throw out some of our things that that if you're enjoying the show that you should know you can always visit um, our website, www.snarkyfaith.com, and you can sign up to be able to get to get our shows uh, emailed straight to you as they come out right to your inbox, so you never miss one. And if you're looking to catch up on this show or all of our past shows, you can also look to where anywhere podcasts are found. We're out there. We're out there in the world. And this is something that I did a while back, but I have perpetually forgotten to mention this and literally it is taped on my computer to tell me to do this and i have not done this probably in four or five months of shows um we have a snarky hotline uh-huh snarky hotline 919-525-1570 now don't worry we're not going to sell you anything we're not collecting any information for that, but that is the place. If you want to leave a message, if you want to shout out to the show directly, because most of the stuff that goes through that hotline, <laughs> crazy or not, it'll end up on the show. So uh, if you've got anything to say, positive or negative, you can give us a shout out on the Snarky Hotline, 919-525-1570, or otherwise, if you're wanting to talk uh, or chat, criticize, and whatever else, uh, you can reach me through the email at questions at snarkyfaith.com. So good. House cleaning done. I was a good boy. I get a treat today. I'm not really sure what that is. But <laughs> now that we're down to business, it has been, it has been, it has been, I feel like I'm just saying this all the time now, but it has been quite, quite a crazy week. Starting, we had like the Supreme Court made several surprise rulings. And the one that was most surprising to me, uh, NASCAR? NASCAR coming out banning the Confederate flag. What? And then some of NASCAR nation saying defund NASCAR. Uh huh. I never thought I'd be saying this on the show, but well done, NASCAR. Well done. And these are the kind of things that we hope to continue to see 
um, as we are calling for change um, in our country, that in our hopes to see that our country becomes more of a <laughs> country founded on equality uh, and not one founded on systemic injustice. Now, in this, I'm going to continue with, with something that you may have not heard about because some of these things, some of the good news we're talking about, you have. Uh, they've been really big and splashy on the news. One thing I don't think you have heard that much about. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, do you remember a while back? Remember when Trump was Bunker Baby Trump? Um, Bunker Baby Trump hiding out when all the protests that are happening in D.C.? Remember that time that, you know, that eventually led to Trump needing to have his big, I can hold a Bible in my hand. Look at me. Take a picture. I'm a big boy. That kind of photo shoot. Yeah. So around that time, so the, the tough president, the wartime president, as he likes to uh, think of himself, because no one else does think of him in that way. But our wartime president, being a tough, tough manly man that he is, has, <laughs> they have erected, they have erected like, I think it's under two miles of metal mesh fence that go around the White House right now. So we have the White House, which normally has its own fencing around it, and Bunker Baby has an even wider margin of mesh metal fence surrounding the White House, which in itself is kind of a very, it's an ominous, it's an ominous picture to look at, like the White House behind like two levels of fencing. Like that almost, that makes me just think of prisons. Oh, poor Trump. He's in the prison of his own making. <laughs> oh, that's not what we're getting at here. <laughs> Don't worry. There's no mercy for that a-hole on the show today. But what I do want to point out of, of being a moment of beauty. So the Trump administration, they put up this authoritarian fencing all around the White House. But the fencing in itself, in itself, has been, has become a place almost like an outdoor art gallery for protesting, where protesters are putting up signs like Black Lives Matter or police reform and, and, and putting names and paintings and posters. So what, what, what is meant to be this thing that, that really seems very tough and authoritarian for the president has turned into something that's quite beautiful. And actually, I mean, if you really think of it, it works out well for him because most, what well, we know, most Republicans do not like anything having to do with the arts, or at least they hate funding the arts. Um, but when you look at this monstrosity from the outside, you can see the art of the people. But at the same time, when you're on the inside, you probably just see an ugly fence that you erected because eh, we've got a bunker baby for a president. But yes, I love that. I love seeing activism. I love seeing activism and beauty and art coming together because this is, I feel like this is a really interesting time that, that I'm very hopeful about um, where we can begin to see more and more lasting change for what's being able to happen here. You know what I also love? You know what I also love? I mentioned the Supreme Court, mm -hmm, the Supreme Court's LGBT rights ruling, okay? Great, beautiful step in the right direction towards more equality. Uh, for those that don't know, the Supreme Court ruled um, that an employer... Um, cannot fire a worker for being gay or transgender because now that falls under, what is it, Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act. So in a moment of beauty of seeing, like, these, uh, us stepping towards equality, we've also got a guy, I mean, the guy that you don't ever want to invite to the party, but come on, if every party has a pooper, that's why we invited Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham. And... 
and here's what I love. And, 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 and I'm going to give you just a taste of what we're talking about on the show. And so this is, this is like excerpts from his Facebook page where he is ranting and railing against the decision. Um, he says, people of sincere faith, like, of sincere faith. Oh, oh, okay. People of sincere faith, not the ones that have insincere faith, but people of sincere faith who stand on God's word. I mean, really, Franklin, stand on God's word? Like, that's, I feel like people don't like us standing on the flag. I don't think people are going to want to stand on a Bible. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll quit being sorry. Uh, people of sincere faith who stand on God's word as their foundation for life should never be forced by the government to compromise their religious beliefs. Christian organizations should never be forced to hire people who do not align with their biblical beliefs and should not be prevented from terminating a person whose lifestyle beliefs undermine the ministry's purpose and goals. He goes on saying, as a Bible-believing follower of Jesus, my rights should be protected, even if my uh, sincerely held religious beliefs might be the minority. I still have the right to hold them. The same holds true for a Christian organization. These freedoms, these are the freedoms our nation was founded on. And one day, one day, we will all stand before God, the righteous judge, whose decisions are not based on politics or whims of culture, and his laws are true. And the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the great thing is that he's kind of, in a weird way, self-owning. Because we are going to be talking about this day. We've been talking through having kind of a larger meandering, but towards the point conversation about structures of power and leadership and what that should look like. And I love, I love, I love what he's saying here. And I mean that in the most ironic and sarcastic way possible. But um, he says, as a Bible-believing follower of Jesus, my right should be protected. That one statement, that one statement is, is antithetical. So I'm going to break down his entire argument right here. As a Bible-believing follower of Jesus, okay? So someone who believes in the Word of God, someone that would say that the words of Jesus are to be followed after and taken seriously, Right, So Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ. And he right now is worried about his rights. Okay, Bible-believing follower of Christ is worried about his rights. My rights should be protected. But, but, but. So again, this is where we get into some kind of, you know, icky territory here. Like when you actually want to say that you read the Bible, because Franklin Graham, if you do read the Bible and you are a Bible-believing follower of Jesus not just Christian culture, but Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ that calls us, uh, that tells us, tells us to step into positions of humility and servitude, positions where we, where we, where our rights don't matter as much as the rights of the kingdom of God. And the very rights you were claiming are being persecuted my rights should be protective. I'm an old white man. <laughs> Someone pat me on the head and tell me I'm a good boy. Yeah, my rights should be protected. Actually, if you really follow the logic and the teachings of Jesus, no, they shouldn't be. Mm -mm. Kingdom of God, Franklin tells you to go and love others. Uh, calls you to love others regardless, regardless, regardless of anything, because they are children of God. 
if your organization believes that it is so high and mighty that it is doing God's work and that somehow God's work uh, excludes people from being a part of God's work, is that still God's work? Like, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, this, this is where things like this, and the fact that I know people love Samaritan's Purse and we love funding all of, the, all of the stuff that happens at the end of the year, but it's really just a bunch of evangelistic bullshit. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's just a bunch of evangelistic bullshit. That is Samaritan's Purse. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm not trying to go on a full tangent to digress here on this, but really, really, Samaritan's Purse. Let's go ahead and say Operation Christmas Child that they do every year is really just a marketing technique and really does nothing to alleviate uh, poverty around the world nor spread the message of Jesus. Uh, it really just cheapens the message of Jesus to a box that gives you a bunch of little cheap-ass trinkets from America. That's really what it is. Because really, Franklin Graham, what he has done here, and I'm also going to say this, I'm sure the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because, you know, um, mm -hmm, his dad handed, handed the reins over and was fine with it back when he was of sane mind. But with Franklin Graham, what he's doing here is he's saying, I'm a part of God's work and you can't be a part of that unless you fit these criteria. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? That the work of God, that there may be people that want to partner in the work of God, but that there are gatekeepers that would say that you cannot do that. That is so unbiblical and so unchristian and so ridiculous that people cannot come and partner in the work of God. So, I digress. Franklin Graham is a horrible person, but hooray! Yes, Supreme Court. Yes, Supreme Court for upholding this. Because we are, we are on this. We are still on this. This is good news. Uh, it is good news that Franklin Graham continues to miss the point because guess what? Uh, the more he misses the point, the more he misses out on what God's doing. And apparently he does not want to be part of what God is doing in the world today as we are seeing many different things happen. Uh, something else I want to give a shout out to for kind of in the good news section before we get to the Christian crazy today. We don't spend this much time on good news. What kind of show is this? Don't worry. We've got plenty of snark for you. But in speaking of, in speaking, in speaking, in speaking of good news, and speaking of good news, hey, 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 let's go ahead and give a little bit of a shout out to uh, TikTok can fans and K-poppers out there. Uh-huh. Trump's rally where whether it was either just stupidity or hubris or bit of both. Trump's big return to the rally scene in Tulsa, Oklahoma was a big. I wouldn't even say it was just like a. It was a big failure. It was a big failure where, yes, people were bragging that there was over a million people that are interested in this. And as the fire department reported, 6,200 people showed up. 6,200 people in Tulsa don't care about their lives or others. But, hey, hey, I, that actually gives me a lot of hope. I'm like, oh, only 6,200 people don't care about anyone <laughs> in the community. <laughs> That's actually way better. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. You know what else gives me hope? And, and folks, I'm going to be asking for this. I'm going to be asking for prayer over this story because, I mean, we all know, we all know that Jim Baker is having a hard time. Pastor, televangelist Jim Baker, Jim Baker, who is in trouble. I mean, all he was doing was making money off of like fake coronavirus carers. So like, seriously, people need to like back off, right? I mean, that's kind of what televangelists do, right? Don't they just rip people off for money? They lie and steal people's money. I mean, that's kind of in the job title. So how can we expect Jim not to be a piece of human garbage after all these years of 
somehow, somehow selling God, but somehow never having a soul because he sold it out years ago. So that's right. What's my point on Jim Baker? Well, Jim Baker, I feel like this situation is really causing, it, it has a need for prayer because recently the Arkansas Attorney General is suing the Jim Baker show for his promotion of fake COVID what was it? Silver solution. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Jim making money off that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Because guess what? Also, at the same time, Jim's still already being sued by Missouri, the state that he is in. And when I ask for prayer here, and, and I, I really mean this on behalf of Christian brothers and sisters out there, for us just to have an honest moment uh, to really just pray that justice be done. Justice be done, that hopefully, eventually, Jim Baker won't be on the airwaves anymore. And that'll be, I mean, I'd be sad to not have him on the Christian crazy, but I'm kind of be happy to not have him on the Christian crazy anymore because he's just that awesome. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I said awesome. Oh, I mean, terrible, a terrible human being. One that has really just ruined, <laughs> ruined the name of Jesus for years. So, <laughs> Oh, let's pray. Let's just pray. That justice is something that God cares about, because I think he does. <laughs> oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. But I think I did also mention, Jim, you're, you're featured oftentimes here on the Christian Crazy, buddy. So that's as good a time as any to transition over to our part of the program where we highlight the insanity of Christianity so that you can begin to see, hey, wait, that has nothing to do with Jesus. Who are these people anyways? I give you the Christian Crazy. Claude Hammers. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So for those that are the uninitiated, the Christian crazy is a space for us. For us. Okay, I could say, I, let's just be honest. It's a place for us to really just mock and make fun of the insane and crazy and uh, mentally ill parts of Christianity where somehow people have lost the plot so far like Jesus isn't anywhere near the horizon. Uh, they may use his name to make money or do other reprehensible things in the name of Jesus, but really Jesus has nothing to do with it. So really we're trying to just kind of clear up Jesus' name just a little here in this. And and speaking, speaking of that, speaking of the Christian crazy, you know, I mentioned, I did mention a Trump rally earlier. And this is great. Like, we talk about the next Trump rally. And of course, if I'm going to talk about a Trump rally... Where, where's like the most, what is like the most dedicated news service that, that would, what news service, if, if you could put, if, okay, run with me here. If, if you could put a, let's say a personality on the quality and character of Donald Trump's being his soul, like what he is as a human, like what he has allowed himself to become, what news outlet would most would most in, encapsulate that. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Fox News is easy. That's too easy. Breitbart, mm-mm. OAN, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. TMZ. That's right. TMZ. The sleazy, yes, the sleazy, the sleazy rag that just has garbage on celebrities all the time. Mm-hmm. The guys with the paparazzi that are hanging out in people's trash cans and looking into their house with long-range lenses. That TMZ. <laughs> it uh, brings me... So much pleasure to talk about Trump's next Arizona rally site. Uh, brought to you by TMZ. 
So this is an article that they recently had published, and yet it just still fits. The church where President Trump will host a rally, quoting from them, uh, hosts his latest rally since the pandemic has made some bold claims about uh, its facility and coronavirus. And it sounds too good to be true. The faith leaders of Arizona's Dream City Church, which has seven locations, including a Phoenix and Scottsdale location. Ooh, Phoenix and Scottsdale. <laughs> Someone's moving on up. Uh, they hopped online with a promo video hyping up new technology that they got their hands on. What? Which can, again, still reading directly from the article, allegedly wipe out nearly 100% of COVID-19 molecules in the air. Nearly 100% in the air. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dream Church's CFO... Brendan Zastrow, because churches do need CFOs, and Pastor Luke Barnett stood shoulder to shoulder in a bizarre clip claiming that clean air, okay, they have clean air XP. It's an air purification system that, that has a way to scientifically zap away, zap away scientifically. Love it, love it, love it. When we use scientific terms like zap, zap away 99.9% .9 of the virus that might be floating in the air around where people believe. They just chalk it up to simple ionization, ionization, which has been used in infomercials for years because no one knows what it means. I'm joking. But in this one, they're using this word that sounds scientific to say that ionization, it clusters pollutants in the air, attacks them, which these, I'm still quoting, these fellas claim uh, made it possible for COVID-19 to live. So don't worry next time, folks. You may have stayed back from Trump's last rally, but this place, this place has magic air. Magic air that'll purify everything. Like, seriously, they're guaranteeing that by the end of that Trump rally, Trump is going to be STD-free. I mean, ionization does everything. If it can clean that dirty bastard up, <laughs> I'm a believer. And again, if you're new to this, this section is called The Christian Crazy. You are watching a show called Snarky Faith. So kind of get the idea that sarcasm's part of this. <laughs> okay, okay. So now that you're fully in on this, now that you're fully in on this, you're like, you're, you're all oh, like, I, man, I wore loafers to a hike. Now I'm already up and I'm, you know, I'm up to my ankles in mud and these loafers are not too, you, you're, you're too deep. You have gone too deep to turn back. I don't care if you brought the right shoes or not. We are deep within the Christian crazy. And, and, and this Christian crazy just happens to be the prophet edition. Because mainly I just picked a bunch of nutty prophets that have prophesied this last week. And each are going to be progressively bizarre, but also edifying to the mind and the soul. The first one, his name alone. I should just say this and end it. Gordon Klingenschmidt. We have, yes, Prophet Gordon Klingenschmidt. No, Gordon. Gordon. Gordon is really, really concerned about your prayer life. Now, he's really concerned about, well, you know, I'll let Gordon start. I'm not going to promise Gordon's going to finish, but I'll let Gordon start about what, what's kind of missing from your life right now. All right. We have commissioned 500 commemorative Donald Trump golden coins. Each one says, in God we trust. And... Wait, hold on. Hold on. I said no more. No more talk of golden coins or graven images on this show. What? What? I 
really hate the interns I have on this show. They're awful, awful. All right. They've already preloaded this, so I might as well go ahead and just let us listen to this. But I think that, you know, Gordon, Gordon's really into his gold coins. I think we should just enhance what Gordon's just saying. Maybe it'll help. Or maybe it won't. I don't know. He's, we have commissioned yeah. 500 commemorative Donald Trump golden coins. Each one says, in God we trust. And we will send this to you for a donation of any amount when you call us right now at 866-ObeyGod or give through our website. Was that silly and juvenile? Yes, it was. Am I happy that I did it? Yeah, actually I am. <laughs> I don't, what, what? We're selling gold coins? So someone literally... A Christian ministry is selling graven images of President Trump that if you donate to the ministry, they'll give you a gold-coated coin that has a picture of the president on it so you can keep it in your pocket so every time you touch this gold coin, which is worthless and not usable anywhere, but it's really just meant to keep your pocket warm, but every time you touch it, it'll remind you to pray for the president. I mean, they did say, they did say in that that any donation would give you a coin and you could like have that coin in your pocket at any time. Be like, hold it every time you touch your pocket. That stupid son of a bitch. God, Lord, I pray for justice. I pray for social justice. I pray, I pray for any kind of justice uh, in the land. That's what this coin's telling me to do. This, this, <laughs> this, this land. Hey, hey, maybe this is a great idea. So the coin will remind us about all the injustice that's happening, especially just all the economic injustice, the social injustice, the racial injustice, all of that, the kind of that, that comes to a head really in the image of, of Donald Trump. Did he create him? No, he didn't. But, but, but it is a good reminder of what we should be praying against. Maybe this is a brilliant idea, or maybe I've just stretched this clip for way too long. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell because I won't remember this after the show. So it probably won't tell. But, but, if you want to talk about people telling, like, spilling some tea, telling a little secrets and stories, we've had, we've had prophet, firefighter prophet Mark Taylor on the show before. He likes prophesying about Trump. He likes prophesying about Q and other people that somehow believe in things that involve QAnon and everything. Yeah. Mm, mm, that that Mark Taylor, that Mark Taylor. Mark recently kind of put out a little video, and it's it's a little different. Kind of like she feels like one of those videos that someone would put on like a social dating website. It's got Mark. He's not sitting in front of his computer, sitting in front of random fireplace. His hair parted nicely right down the middle. Uh-huh. Little collared shirt on. Talking about, as most men do when they sit in front of a fireplace with no fire, how horny they are for Trump. <laughs> mm. Mm. Mark Taylor is really horny for Trump. Is it the Holy Spirit? I don't know. But something's going on here. He has got such a high level of discernment. He's the type of guy to me uh, that could probably walk into a board meeting of 30 people he's never seen before. And he could probably, as he walks in, he could probably look at each person and go, Yes, yes, no, no, as to who you could trust and who he can't. I'm sorry, I just have to stop. I, I'll let this continue. I'm not trying to interrupt Mark's love letter here. It's beautiful. But I do like the fact that they added some extra music that really kind of makes me feel like this 
is like a Nicholas Sparks novel. Mark is really noticing Donald for the first time in a way that Mark sees Donald in a way that no one else quite does. Because whatever Mark's talking about, it's not real. It's part of insanity and probably a chemical imbalance and a mental disorder, but sexy with music. His discernment is on a level that's just incredible. I think he's got a lot of prophetic gifts. He may know that, I don't know. I've never spoken to the president, but I think he's a prophet of sorts, if you will. People may attack me for that, but there's nothing I can do. I, I think, I've been asked that before, do I think Donald Trump's a prophet? I said, yeah, I do. Uh, he's always 10 steps ahead of people, which people can't quite figure that out. As a chess player that he is, He's 10 moves ahead of everybody. He is. He's, he's like a genius that's playing chess while everyone else is playing poker. It doesn't make sense. He's misunderstood. He's 10 steps ahead in chess, but he's bankrupt in poker, just like he bankrupted all those casinos in poker because apparently, apparently... I have no idea what Mark is talking about here. But who am I to explain love? Oh, Donald. Throw away that silly Slovakian trollop. Your firefighter prophet is waiting. And he sees you as you are. Mm. A gristled, obese, human equivalent what carcinogen is and he sees you for that and loves you still Donald go for it I release you go it's a beautiful story <laughs> it's a beautiful story need to take a minute tale as old as time mm. sorry I'm not going there <laughs> alright yes yes fine 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 I may have mocked the love of Firefight Prophet and man who really just needs a hug. But we've got just a little more gross and crazy before we're done here. And yeah, we're really getting crazy. But you know, you know, you know. Every so once in a while, every so once in a while, you get something that's just that's just crazy enough that it really just fits as an end cap here towards this ridiculous conversation. And in his Christian crazy debut, let's give it up for Prophet Frank Amida. Now, Frank is going to drop a prophecy that it was a whole vision, a prophetic vision he received that... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to try my best not to stop because it's so crazy. We're going to have to break it down at some point. But here you go. Sometime at the end of the summer, coming into September, maybe just before Sukkot and during on, in the middle of September and thereon, what I saw was the hand of the Lord go down. And I saw that this presidency and this president and the soul of this nation was sinking into a swamp. And he was up to his neck. But then the fingers of the Lord reached down, a thumb, which is apostolic, 
a thumb which states foundation, and the forefinger which points revelation. So, yeah. So Frank Amita's having a prophetic vision. Apparently, God gave him that God is saying, hey, look at Trump. He's sinking in the swamp. He's drowning. He's kind of doing what he's doing right now, just kind of rolling around in his own filth. But God reaches out God's hand, and apparently we need to pay attention to God's thumb and forefinger because that means something in Revelation, and no, it doesn't. How else is someone going to grab something? With their thumb and their other thumb? With their two pinkies? Their thumb on one hand and a pinky on another hand? Or a thumb and a ring finger and a middle finger? No, how the heck do people grab stuff? Yes, you moron. If you're viewing something, it's going to be, yeah, generally with that. Let's not read too much into this, but let's do because it's just fun. So where were we? So Trump is rolling around in his own filth, kind of like a cat rolling in its own litter box, which we've seen. Okay, okay. God goes down, pulls him up, which would seem to me prophetically like a removal, but, you know, I'm not a prophet, so what do I know? And it snatched this president by the top of his head and flung him up into the air. And he went flailing because he didn't expect it, because it was sudden. It was as if somebody was tossing a young child to have fun with them and their arms flapped and moved while they giggled and laughed. Sorry to but hit the brakes instance, again in this instance. I do want to take a moment to relish in the fact that whether said prophecy happened or not, <laughs> the idea that Trump is flung into the air and as anyone would assume if Trump is flung into the air, he is like being tossed like a large amorphous blob of a baby so wait 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 i wait i'm not a prophet here but you know if we're gonna try to read into some of this so let's let's ignore the fact that if this is a real prophecy that trump is a baby getting pulled out of his own crap and being tossed in the air but this means good things this means good things for the future and his re-election Right, Frank? Come on. Come on, Frank. Let's, let's land this plane well. Delivering him from the swamp that he was sinking into, into low depths, and all of a sudden flinging it. And this will be accompanied by some kind of an action. I believe that this action will be major. I believe that this will be unlike the COVID, which we've just experienced, the lawlessness, which we are experiencing. This will be clearly God-driven. We shall see it. So it's going to be clear, but it's going to be vague. It's going to be God-driven, but we're really not sure what it's going to look like. It's going to be a thing, but not like another thing. But that thing is going to be obvious. And when it is, the thing will be obvious who the thing is behind. And the thing will just be, it's going to be a thing. I love it. I love prophecy. That's great. That really edifies the church in 2020 right now. Thanks, Prophet Frank. Part of me just kind of wishes that it would be like Pee Wee's Playhouse where you have like Cowboy Steve and it'd be like Trump would be like, hey, who's at the White House now? It's Prophet Frank. What? That's the secret word. Ah! 
I thought the secret word Pee-wee was racist. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's COVID. I'm going a little unhinged here. So now we've approached the point in the show where Stuart needs to focus. So we're going to focus down all of the craziness we've talked about up until this point and make it make sense. Sorry, that was just the voice in my head that telling me what I need to do at this point in time. So yes, yes, yes. All right. We've talked about Christian crazy. We've talked about much change that is happening in America right now. Some of it good, some of it overdue, some of it weird. But again, I feel like change, we're, tr we're trending in the right direction, as you could speak. Hopefully speaking. Okay. So, over the past few weeks in the show, we have been talking about power. And we've been talking about power in the realm and in the perspective of what it looks like um, in the kingdom of God. Like, what systems of power does Jesus Christ in the Bible talk about? And, and do those systems of power look like what the church is like today? Hey, spoiler alert, if you haven't been watching with us, they don't! <laughs> okay, so that's our talking points. So, um, that leads me to continue in our conversation about leadership, and power structures. And I believe something that's very applicable um, that came up through the Religion News Service, which I continue to really enjoy. Actually, a lot of their articles, they do that. A lot of, um, a lot of religious outlets are BS, like Christian Post, Relevant Magazine, all those other ones, where it's just kind of giving puff pieces that essentially are just BJs to the faithful. The Religious News Service, no, no, no. I think they're actually trying to actually do journalism. So props, tip of the cap. Uh, but we are living in an interesting time that can be called that we are in, we're in the time of the cancel culture. And I believe, as, as aptly pointed out, um, Religious News Services, uh, via the article here that I'm going to be kind of working with uh, via John Merritt, who am I? I don't always agree with, but dang it, John Merritt, you're doing good work here. You're doing God's work. Uh, in his article called Evangelicals Perfected Cancel Culture, now it's coming for them. Now, for those that don't know what's happening right now, cancel culture, uh, the best way I can explain it to you is kind of viewing the Karens of the world. No one knows what a Karen is. I really can't help you at this point. It's going to take way too much work in Googling. But uh, Karen is kind of the is kind of the epitome of white privilege, uh, soccer moms, bad haircuts, and a bunch of other gross stuff that's part of white culture. That kind of ends up being a, a Karen. It, Karen is not necessarily a female. We can have a man Karen or not, but it's actually people that are acting disgusting and horrible generally towards minorities and other groups because somehow it's making me feel not okay. Okay. So we have this culture where people that are going out and acting reprehensible are being what we call canceled, hence the term cancel culture. Um, but as this article on Religious News Service is asserting, and I would say absolutely spot on asserting um, is that evangelicals have spent years, years perfecting cancel culture. Don't agree with me. 
Think about this. Think about any time someone, someone, someone within, like, 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 when we're talking about Christian culture, anytime someone speaks out and says something that's slightly different or does something that people don't like. Let's talk about the Rob Bells, the Amy Grants, the folks that somehow took a stance or did something that was different from contemporary Christian culture and they got canceled, meaning that they were like, out, goodbye, bye bye you're gone. Whereas evangelicals and also Calvinist a-holes like John Piper have somehow taken it upon themselves to act as the doorkeepers of the faith. Now, when people act like the doorkeepers of the faith, just, just a slight snarky question here. <laughs> You're a man of faith. Do you kind of want to be the doorkeeper? Or would you rather have a more interesting position? Besides the fact that John Piper somehow is the lowest form of keeper as the doorkeeper. He opens the door for people because I've been to Walmart. The doors are automatic now, John Piper. So screw off. No. Uh, so they were, they were going through this article, which is actually a great one, but we don't have time to really go through the specifics of this. But uh, for those that don't know, Church of the Highlands, a very large mega church that has many different satellite churches that are in Texas. Uh, Texas, sorry. Alabama. Sorry. I got my rednecks mixed up. Sorry. Alabama, right? Chris Hodges, pastor, Church of the Highlands, okay? And if people know anything about Alabama, Jeff Sessions, racism, segregation, problems. Okay. Uh, free association. That's Alabama. Now, recently, Chris Hodges, again, pastor, megachurch, congregation, over 60,000 people, who has, as the article points out, 24 effing locations. Chris Hodges has been liking several posts by Charlie Kirk, who is a very pro-Trump activist. Now, Chris Hodges, also pastor of all of this, does not follow many people on social media, but he follows Charlie Kirk. Again, racist pro-Trump activist. And many people were noting, hey, what the heck's going on? This guy uh -huh, says doing the work of Jesus. What? Liking all of this racist stuff that's coming, yeah, from Charlie Kirk. And so what's happening in Alabama is kind of a beautiful thing uh, because also Church of the Highlands had come under fire recently for opening up new satellite churches in areas that are predominantly black, but they start predominantly white churches. So they are like trying to gentrify churches in Alabama. And then people noticed, hey, look, 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 look who the, the leader, the pastor of all this megachurch, who is he liking? And, and in a beautiful way, great. A lot of the uh, schools and buildings that were giving leases to Church of the Highlands are canceling their leases. So we're leading this into this whole moment called cancel culture. Now, people can say, oh, that's not fair. Look what's happening. Cancel court. No, it's, it's been very bad. But think about this. Think about anyone that's been around Christian culture in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We've got like the Million Moms March, who is always a mad and got their mom panties in a wad over something because apparently their faith tells them just to be angry at culture and not do anything that Jesus told them to do. <laughs> That's what I love this whole idea where people are like, we're Christians and we're mad. 
are you mad and doing because you're doing the things Jesus wants you to do and the rest of the culture is trying to not allow you to do the work of Jesus? No, we're mad because our preference is not being upheld. Uh, really, really, really. Anyone remember Jerry Falwell Sr., founder of the Moral Majority, that had an issue with Teletubbies? Uh-huh, having Tinky Winky. Because Tinky Winky must be gay. So yes, 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 yes. So, you're following what we're talking about right now. We are in the midst of a cancel culture that, in many ways, evangelicals started with their boycotts. But now, now, this kind of, like, organized boycotting and canceling is coming against Christians. And that is just not fair. Like, if we started this, how dare you? How dare you use our techniques against us? Jesus would, would you know, let's just leave Jesus out of this because he really doesn't have much to do with this. But I, d d my white Jesus would be very upset. My white Karen Jesus is mad and wants to talk to the manager. Pronto, mister. Pronto. So we're talking cancel culture. And in steps, nary a week or so after Trump has a photo op in front of a church holding a Bible as if it is a foreign object that he has never seen before. We also have Louis Giglio. Pastor Louis Giglio. On stage at his mega church in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Louis Giglio is sitting with Christian rapper Lecrae and Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy having an honest conversation about church and what is happening. And Giglio, for whatever Giglio reasons, uh, has a stroke and begins talking about the blessings of white privilege. Now, I'm not even going to get into the fact because Louis Giglio has cried on camera because... <laughs> My career's over. I need to cry now. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah. So again, he's sorry for whiteness and being a white guy that was having a conversation about race and equality with, 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 okay, Lecrae on stage. Okay, good. It's good having a black man on stage, but also having the son of the founder of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy on stage to have a conversation about equality and race with the son of the founder of effing Chick-fil-A on stage. What does Dan Cathy know about equality and race and being a follower of Jesus? From all I can understand, really not much of anything besides chicken. Jesus said, blessed are those that eat chicken that is only cooked from Monday to Saturday for the rest of you shall go to hell when you eat chicken on Sundays. That's what Jesus said. Not at all. No, but Louis Giglio, in all of his stupidity, made a very stupid statement. But his stupid statement was also highlighted by a stupid show that he was already trying to do. He's an old white man that brought in an older white man who is intolerant already with himself, which is an older white man, and brought on a black man on stage to have a conversation about race and equality where I have 
been to Chuck E. Cheese. Literally, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese in my teenage years, and I know what a token is. And I'm looking at you, Lecrae. Ka-ching? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, Louis Giglio is using Lecrae as a proper token to talk about his... It Okay, okay, okay. It's crazy. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's weird. I could digress further, but I want to just really kind of focus in on what we've been talking about on the show for the past couple of weeks, being able to use the national dr- backdrop towards uh, going on with race in our country and being able to talk about systems of power. And we've been kind of bouncing around through this book, Tug of War by Wil- Wilmer Villacorta, uh, my old professor, whom I love very dearly, and talking about different ways that we look at power. Louis Giglio, bad version of what we're seeing power. Two white men, one that's like a white, very rich man, another white man that's still pretty rich, and also a black man on stage, all talking about equality and race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this book that I've kind of been going through here, uh, Villa Cortes says this, and, 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 and I think that th- this, this fits very well within our conversation that we've been kind of having. Spiritual writer Henry Nouwen once wrote, concerning a theology of weakness. In his argument, he openly distinguished it from what he called a theology of weaklings. The former takes seriously the fact that God suffered, God suffered us and suffered for us in the event of the cross. Why suffered us? Because the obsessive and arrogant use of power humanity has undertaken. Such arrogance flamed by human pride and, and spiritual darkness became the architects of suffering and death. However, Jesus' suffering unleashed the ultimate blow to power of death and darkness. The latter becomes a distortion of the being, of being weak and makes excuses, which only corroborates human selfishness, self-pity, and lethargy. Nowen asserts that a the- theology of weakness becomes a theology of weaklings, then such a theology is comfortable, a comfortable excuse for incompetence, submission, and self-denigration and defeat in all fields. This is contrary to the meaning of, quote, my power is perfected in weakness. And the ways and the beings and the teachings of Jesus, especially, especially, especially in this time, where we are seeing many systems, many symbols and systems torn down, old systems and statues of the Confederacy or of white supremacy t- torn down. We are saying that, that, that there are calls right now for the police to reform. And in this time, in this time, I firmly believe that the power structure laid out through Jesus and the Gospels is what is needed. We are seeing it. We are seeing the nature and of the kingdom of God in the tearing down of power structures that were evil, that were oppressive, that stole human dignity from people. And, and here's where I want to pause. Because I believe that we're at a place where the tearing down is good. So we are tearing things down. Like we've talked about before on the show about deconstruction. We're almost deconstructing all of this. But the key, the key happens with what happens next. 
It is one thing to tear down. It is another thing to rebuild. And in these times where we are people, uh, especially in America, we're people of, of, of lack of pigment, white folks, that are rallying towards people that uh, would be people of color in America that have been marginalized and neglected by our social uh, and economic systems. So in these times, we are partnering with others to pull down systems of oppression. We also have to remember that we do not want to tear down systems of oppression and resurrect systems of oppression too. And, and, and through these conversations that we are having, especially with this kind of downward perspective of what, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And to be a follower of Jesus, it means nothing other, nothing other than to serve other humans. To elevate them, to help them, to serve them, to return their dignity, to give them justice, to give them equal footing. So as we are helping tear down these systems, let us not forget that we need a myriad of other voices being replaced so that the voices at our table are varied and that all of humanity is represented. Continuing, continuing, um, I am going to quote from Ajith Fernando, who was quoted in the book, Tug of War, that we're talking through here. And Fernando says this, when many Christians think of the cross they have to bear, they only talk about the things like persecution, unpopularity, and discrimination that they face because of their principles. They do not include the things that come from being committed to people, such as exhaustion of helping them, when we are busy and the pain of continuing to love them when they hurt us. Commitments to people will cause pain to Christians of all nations and cultures. Serving others, one of the core tenets of Jesus, is a core tenet of the kingdom of God. So my feelings, my rights, as Franklin Graham was whining like a little privileged white bitch oh, who never struggled a day in his life because <laughs> his dad was rich. Franklin Graham being, my rights are being persecuted against. And Jesus says, sure, but are you loving others? When that person that is lying there in the ditch that is hurting, are you helping them? That person that is uh, LGBTQ that you don't like, are you letting them serve? Are you serving them? No? <laughs> well, then, <laughs> I mean, if you serve them, you would be serving me, Jesus says. But as Franklin Graham, <laughs> Franklin Graham only wants to serve people that look like him. And until Christianity can be a faith that elevates the playing field and makes everyone, an equal partner in the kingdom of God. It is an evil control structure 
that is antithetic to the kingdom of God. So you, my listener, go out and make a difference. Go out and invest your lives into others. Go out and make a difference. Make change happen, not because of what it benefits to you, but because of how it helps others. Let us learn to love, to love sacrificially. And I will send you out with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. Go out and change the world because that's really what Jesus told us to do. I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys again next week. Peace.